Well, it's great to be here. Um, I know you're supposed to say that wherever you are, but it genuinely is. I, I've been here once, I think, for your 15-year celebration, which is wonderful. It's such an honor to be here, but I've never been on a Sunday morning, so this is a, an exceptional privilege. So I'm really excited to be here just personally, but I'm also I'm excited for what God wants to do. Um, we're going to talk about something that I get really excited about. I know you're currently doing a series on the Holy Spirit, which is just fantastic, exciting, and I hope that you've been enjoying that. Um, and so what I want to do this morning with you is uh, to look a little bit at the practical side of that. But before we do that, I just uh, always pray for uh, wherever I am, whether it's a Sunday morning at Foyle Vineyard up in Derry or um, if we're somewhere else, for what does God want to say, what does he want to do um, with the community that we're going to visit, and just leave something of that. So I, I did that as I was driving up in the car over the Glenshian Pass. And um, I just asked the Lord, you know, what, what are you doing in this community? I don't know you very well. I know Jason and Michelle. I have such a high regard for them. Your reputation does precede you. So there, there is a little bit of that across the movement. You'll be glad to know it's all good. Um, but I don't know you. So in a sense, I'm coming as a visitor and just a sense of what God's doing. And then I want to leave something uh, with you from the scripture and just from experience. But I had a picture of like an irrigation system that was well built and well dug. And my sense to you was that uh, God is pleased with what you have done in serving your community. And I, I know I shared a little bit of this uh, at the 15-year celebration. And, but it's as though you've been building an irrigation system which is suitable for life and fruit and vegetation. Um, and you've been doing that faithfully and you've been doing that well. And what I sense the Lord wanted to do in this next uh, step for you is that he actually wants to move in power among you. And that although you've dug stuff really well, he wants to provide something of the move of his Holy Spirit that you're required to steward. That you're going to come up against some things in your town and in your community and in what God's going to ask you to do that's going to require not just a heart that serves and loves your community, which you do superbly, but it's actually going to require a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There are going to be some things that you cannot do unless the power of God's involved. And Mike Pilavachi says that the mission of God is not possible to accomplish without the power of God. And I truly believe that. And so I know you guys are passionate about the Holy Spirit. I know you love uh, God moving in power. I know that you faithfully serve your community. And my sense was that momentum is going to increase. Um, and I'm not saying that to hype something up. I'm not, I know I'm moving my hand. I don't know why I'm doing that. But I'm not saying something to hype and something up. I'm just saying what I feel like the Lord might be doing. The last part of that as I was praying was uh, that there was a number of you that specifically have been hungering after that for a while. And uh, maybe you've been in the prayer room uh, praying that out. Some of you just in your own journey uh, asking for more. God, is there more? to be had? Is there more to be experienced in my own life and in the life of this community? And so I, I felt God say uh, from Timothy, fan that into flame, Ben. So what I want to do this morning, I'm going to kind of hopefully give you some uh, sense of the scripture in terms of how we do this thing of operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. But what I really want to leave you with um, is I want to leave you with an appetite for the kingdom of God and for the, the, the movement of the Holy Spirit. I want to fan in the flame, if you were, what is in you through the land on the fans, as Paul prays in Timothy. Um, so can I pray that for you? And then we'll jump into what we're going to do this morning um, and what I'm going to share. So God, I, I just thank you for this community, Lord. I bless what you're doing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for the love that they extravagantly love with in their community. 
Lord, they, 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 they lead us in that as a movement. And so I just thank you for that. Lord, I bless their heart for the poor. Lord, I ask for an increase of supernatural power and the power of the Holy Spirit to see your kingdom impact in the way you desire in Dungannon and beyond. In your name, I ask it. Amen. Amen. So that bit counts for free, right, in terms of the timing. So we're just going to start the clock now in case you're wondering. I'm only kidding. I'll try and keep the time because I know some of you want to get home and watch the rugby. I certainly do. So um, we'll do that. Um, I, I'm, I have it on good authority from your pastors that uh, he's done an, and they've done an excellent job of giving you a biblical basis for this stuff. So I'm not going to over uh, egg or cover ground that they've already covered. But here's some assumptions or recap that I've picked up from conversations with Jason. So I'm just going to lay them out there. In case I got it wrong, then at least you know where I'm coming from and, and what I, I've picked up from you. But my sense is that you've looked at how Jesus is our model for the work of the kingdom. So not only did Jesus come as God's son, he was fully God, and the Bible teaches us that, but he also came as what the Bible calls a perfect image bearer. So he came as a model of what new humanity looked like, a new way to be human. And so when we look at the gospels and the accounts that uh, the writers have given us of Jesus, we're not just looking and thinking, wow, that's amazing what you did, Jesus. We're also looking and thinking, this is a model for how to live life in the kingdom. Jesus, I describe it this way with our guys, Jesus lived perfectly submitted to his Father and absolutely surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Let me say it again. Jesus lived perfectly submitted to his Father and absolutely surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And though he was God and though the signs and healings and deliverances and so on that he did were a testimony to his divinity, he did them as a model for life in the kingdom, perfectly submitted to his Father, absolutely surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? And I know Jason's covered this, so I'm not going to over-egg it, but I think it's important. Because it changes the way I and you and I read the Gospels. It's not just for us to come and put our trust in Christ, although that's the purpose that our writers have, that they want you to put your trust in Christ. But it's an invitation into a new way of living. It's an invitation into life in the kingdom. And so you know that Jesus commissions his disciples, his followers in Matthew 28. And he says, you know, go into all the world, all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to do all that I've commanded. And what did he command? Obviously, he taught on the kingdom, but he commanded them to go heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, and so on. So Jesus wasn't just showing them this great idea. He was inviting them into a way of life and therefore inviting you and I into that. I hope I'm just kind of re-emphasizing what Jesus has already done, but that's where I'm coming from this morning. Jesus did the works of the kingdom through his dependence on the Holy Spirit. So must we. So must we. So what I'm going to look at this morning with you is a question this is the question I want to try and answer together, if that's okay. And it's this. How do we actually partner with the Holy Spirit in seeing the kingdom of God come? So you've looked at perhaps some of the theology or the, the biblical kind of why. But how does this thing actually work? How do we actually learn how to minister healing to someone in our workplace, like those great stories that you just heard? How do we 
um, pray for one another? How do we release freedom when someone's oppressed by darkness? How do we see God show up in power when we're praying for someone or when we're on the street or whatever context we might be in? And what I want to do this morning is really kind of unpack that for you, look at it from kind of 360 degrees. And I'm going to use a letter that Paul writes to the Corinthians to kind of give me a little bit of a context. But I'm going to talk a lot from experience also. Our experience doesn't shape how we read the Bible, okay? The, our, the Bible is our authority. But we need to understand the Bible in light of our experience. So it has to have some grounding in our everyday. Otherwise, it's just some kind of idea out here. So I want to kind of talk a little bit from experience. Some of this we've picked up just as a movement um, through Vineyard and others who have pushed into the, the, the things of the Spirit. Um, and some of this is just from praying for lots of different people and learning through mistakes. Um, so that's what I want to do with you this morning. And I want to give you five principles. And this is the first one that I want to give you. Um, this is not just for uh, what I call the super spiritual. Um, this is for everybody. This is for everybody. It's not just for the pastors or the leaders or those on the prayer ministry team or anything like that. Like, if I can do it, you can do it. This is for everyone. Everyone gets to participate in the way of the kingdom. When uh, Paul uh, comes to this place, Corinth, and we're going to read a letter that he writes, he plants this church, and it talks about him planting this church in power, but he he writes about it in uh, 1 Corinthians 2, and he says this, "I, I came to you not... Uh, with strength, but I was in in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. And then he goes on to say, but in demonstrations of the spirit and of power. Then he explains why. So that you might not, sorry, so that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. It's kind of my prayer for you this morning is that you won't kind of be enamored by any wisdom or insight, but actually that your faith and your trust would rest on demonstrations of the Spirit's power at work among you so that your faith's not in some person's ability to heal or to prophesy or whatever you feel like they might be good at, but actually your trust is in the Spirit's power. Um, Just an aside, like I'm learning, I think, in my young and experienced life that the Spirit's power is oftentimes most potent when we feel most weak. And Paul talks about this a lot. But So you, you don't have to feel like you're super spiritual to see God's power work through you. You don't have to have a title to see God use you in the context. This is for everyone. I want to give you a sense that you can do this. And I'm going to explain some of it for you. So that's the first principle. This is for everyone, not just for the super few. A second qualification I want to bring this morning is that we're all learning. So this is not a fait accompli. This is how it should work. I'm not bringing you a manual or a model. I want to give you some, this is how we're learning. This is some of the things that we've learned as we've unpacked the scripture together, as we've tried to pray for people and see them healed and so on. So this is, this is us learning. I am learning. You are learning. We are always learning. And so come to it with an element of humility. And I come to you this morning with an element of humility even though I have confidence in what God wants to do. So second principle I want to give you, and then we'll open the Bible together. You guys are great at this, so we don't need to go over it. Um, But the second principle is as we grow in this, as we mature, as we have a go, as we learn, talked about us being learnings, as we learn the way of the Holy Spirit, 
we have to keep love at the center. This is kind of our foundation. It's where we start. It's where we finish. At Jordan Sang says this. He says, we must remember that the real goal of any miracle is to deepen love for God. So we start from a place of love. The goal of any interaction we have with somebody else is to deepen love with God. You guys model love super well, so you get this. But it doesn't matter how dramatic it feels in a room where the Spirit is moving or how enamoring the healing might seem to be. When you move away from love, you begin to move away from the kingdom. And it's not long before it creates a little bit of a mess. Actually, sorry, it creates a lot of mess. So never move away from love. As you grow in the things of the Holy Spirit, you want to stretch yourself. You want to see God do things that are unexplainable without His power. But it has to be with the goal of seeing people encounter the love of God. That's always the purpose. It's always where we remain. We always leave someone in that place. It's not just, it's not about the miracle uh, as such. It's about God and His love for that person. All right, back to the question then at hand. How does this work? How does this work? The Holy Spirit moving through his people to lead to a kingdom impact. How does this actually work? Why don't we open the Bible together? It's always a good thing, isn't it, to start in the Bible? So I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians. If you have a Bible, you can, you can look it up. 1 Corinthians 12. It should be on the back as well at some point as well. Um, and just a, a really small bit of context before I jump in. And then I'm going to just walk us through this little section of Scripture for about 10 minutes, try and give you my understanding of what I think Paul's trying to get at. And then I'm going to give you some examples from Jesus' life and then from uh, our own life and our own community. And then I want to kind of open up some time for God to do some stuff among us. You up for that? Yeah. Okay. Great. I was going to say, I had ready to say, I'll take your silence as a, as a yes, but you didn't, you didn't, you weren't silent. Like our great bar would don't even respond. You're, you're really responsive. So I'm loving this. It's great. All right. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And um, Paul has planted this church in a city in Corinth. And uh, as I said earlier, I read out that this church has been birthed in the power of the Holy Spirit, not through some clever strategy of church planting or through um, Paul's persuasive arguments. He came to Corinth in weakness and in trembling, but God moved in power. And so this church is birthed with an understanding and experience of the power of the Holy Spirit. They love this stuff, okay? And so Paul is writing to them because it's, it's not a problem that they don't love the work of the Holy Spirit. But what's happened is the Holy Spirit is moving among them, but they, they, they haven't matured in the way of Christ. They haven't matured in love. They haven't learned what it means to develop and mature as people of God. And so although the power of God's at work, it's absolute mess, and it's causing dysfunction, disorder, and harm everywhere. And so Paul writes to them about a lot of different things, but he writes in chapter 12, 3 to 14, about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so he's writing not to shut this thing down. He's not saying, like, let's shut this Holy Spirit stuff down. It's just too messy. It's too much uh, damage being done. Let's just shut it down, which some people might come in and do. No, he's, he doesn't say that at all. But he says, look, about this stuff, I want you to understand. I want you to, to not be uninformed. I want you to learn how this works because this is for, for your good. And at the moment, you're uninformed. You're just trying to figure this out. You love the power of the Holy Spirit, but you haven't actually understood what's going on here, and you're, you're actually causing more harm than good. So um, let's read the first section together, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
and I'm going to stop at each section and just unpick it. I'm going to use some language just to help explain it as well. Um, but now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. It's the first thing that Paul says. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. And the word we translate there as spiritual gift is the word pneumaticon. Everybody say pneumaticon. Yeah, it's brilliant. Pretty good. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, but we're going to assume that it is for this morning. It's actually probably not that helpful to understand it as spiritual gifts. The way it would be translated probably more accurately is things relating to the realm of the spirit. Things relating to the realm of the spirit. So what's Paul saying here? He's saying, look, Regarding the things relating to the realm of the Spirit, in other words, how the Holy Spirit is at work, the invisible sphere in which he imparts faith, in which he heals, which he reveals Christ, brings salvation, healing, deliverance, and so on. I don't want you to be uninformed. Like, I want you to understand about this. I want you to grow in your understanding of this. I want you to learn how the Holy Spirit works. This is important. And so I want to give you a third principle. We can grow in this. We can grow in this. In fact, I think Paul's invitation in, in, the, in the letter to the Corinthians is grow in this. Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And he goes on time and time again to say mature in the things of the Spirit. I, I don't know why, but maybe it's our religious, religious upbringing and I'm just going to assume you're kind of in that Irish sphere if you've got some kind of religious context, even if it's just cultural. Um, but we, we, we kind of get upset or uncomfortable with the idea that we can grow in things like healing and prophecy and so on. And I've had lots of conversations like this with lots of people. And, and, and I, and, and I, I kind of get it, and then I don't at the same time. And like uh, th th this notion is that I think I, we have this idea that we grow in every other spiritual area of formation, but when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, for some reason, it's just supposed to pour out of us and happen like that. And if it doesn't, then it's in some way irreverent. So if I don't heal someone immediately, or if I'm trying to grow in that, or learn how to do that, or actually develop in the ability to heal someone else, no, 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 you can't do that. That's, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. And so it just, I, I, maybe you're, I'm, I'm touching a, a nerve here, maybe. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Um, no, we, we pick that up. Where does that, where does that come from? I don't know. But I think Jesus' invitation to his disciples and Paul's writing here is actually, no, actually, you can grow in this. As you develop and mature, actually, the better way to put it is this. As you submit more to the Father and as you surrender more to the Holy Spirit, you should be having a greater impact. Let me say that again. As you grow in how you submit to the Father, and as you grow in the way that you surrender to the Holy Spirit, it should have a greater impact. And so why is that important? Because it, it means that when you pray for someone to be healed or when you minister healing, I always leave, usually not with the person. I always leave, and if there hasn't been an impact, I ask the Lord, what, what, what could I have done differently there? How can I be more effective next time? How did I grow in faith? Those kind of questions are important to me. And it's not that I feel discouraged or ashamed or disappointed, and we'll maybe get a chance to talk about that. But it's this understanding that as I can grow in Christ-likeness in every other virtue of the, of the kingdom, so I can grow in the things of the Spirit. So Paul invites them, look, regarding the stuff of the Spirit, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know, learn. 
get to know the Holy Spirit. I think Jason's invitation to you last week was develop a friendship with the Holy Spirit. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. As you grow in friendship with the Holy Spirit, as you learn how he works in and through you, you become better at ministering in his power. It's not that the Holy Spirit becomes any more powerful. It's just that you adjust to the way that he works. Does that make sense? All right, I think I've overdone that point, so we'll move on. Let's keep going then. Verse 2. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, this seems fairly obvious to me and maybe to you as well. So what's Paul getting at? And he's probably speaking into a specific issue at the Corinthian church. So many of these converts would have come from a form of idol worship, which was pretty demonstrative. You know, they would have had trances and shouting and all kinds of other stuff, which we don't want to talk about this morning. But nonetheless, Paul kind of gives us a principle in this passage of Scripture, which I think is helpful for us. And it's this notion And this is principle four. The Spirit always works to glorify Jesus. The Spirit always works to glorify Jesus. We have this basic rule. If it looks like Jesus, we're good to go. If it doesn't, then we've reason to question it. Does that make sense? Now, I'm not always talking about the approach that happens. There's lots of stuff that I'm like, I don't know if I would do that that way, God. But I'm talking about the result. Is it establishing the good order of the kingdom in a person's life, in a community, in a society? Is it extending God's kingdom in, in, in a way? If it is, then it's glorifying Jesus because that's the rule of the Holy Spirit. In which case, we want to celebrate it. We want to grow in it. If it's not, if it's leading to disorder and dysfunction, if it's causing harm, if it's dishonoring the name of Jesus then, of course, we're going to test it. We're going to actually question it and perhaps, if need be, call it out. So that's a basic rule that we can understand from that, and and that's principle four. The Spirit always seeks to glorify Jesus. That's what he loves to do. Are you with me? Okay, that's the easy part. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty now. This is the fun part, though. Um, Let's read this next section, which has always confused me, but I think I've got some understanding to bring to it on you for you. So let's read it together. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 5. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in every one. Let me just read this again. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. What is Paul trying to say here? I, I, honestly, I think there are probably a number of ways you could read this passage. But I just want to uh, give you a sense of how I am understanding Paul in this passage as we try this stuff out and learn from experience. So you don't have to necessarily agree with everything I, I say. I'm just throwing it out there as a way to challenge you and for you to go away and read it yourself and kind of study it yourself. I always say to our guys, don't always take everything that I say as gospel. I hope you don't and, and, and you know that. But go away, study the scripture, come back with questions, ask it. I want to kind of stoke something in you uh, so that you begin to examine these things for yourselves. Um, but let me kind of unpack it a little bit with some of the stuff that we've done in terms of 
uh, reading this and reading around it. And, and I want to give you a bit of the language just to help with this. We don't often do Greek and Hebrew in our place, and so this is not me trying to show off, I hope. It's just trying to help, help us understand what is Paul trying to get at. So the first part, now there are varieties of gifts where there's charisma, which we translate as grace. So there are varieties of grace that the Holy Spirit gives out. We think of it as gifts. It's not a bad way to think of it, but it's helpful to understand that the Holy Spirit gives out grace in, in a creative way, and we didn't earn it. Yeah? So that's the first part. There are lots of different ways that the Holy Spirit dispenses grace to you. That's the first part. Second part, there are varieties of ministry, but it's the same spirit. The word that's used there is diaconia. Now, this is really interesting, okay? I know this is intense for Sunday morning, so stay with me, okay? I'll try and get to a point. And this is more to do with how things are served. It would have been used for an example of someone waiting on tables or ministration. So imagine it this way. There are varieties of grace that the Holy Spirit dispenses to his people, right? It's the same Holy Spirit. There are a variety of ways in which those gifts are served to somebody else. Make sense? The way that gift or grace is ministered is different depending on the context. You with me so far? And then the last part, and he says, then there are varieties of activities. That's a terrible translation. No offense to the translators. That's a terrible thing to say. How arrogant of me. I do not know anything to do with translation. But let's just assume that it's slightly different. The word there is energema, um, which means a working or an effect. And the way they would have described it was it's an operation focusing on the impact of God's power. What am I talking about here? In other words, let me walk this through for a moment. There are varieties or creative ways in which the Holy Spirit gives out grace to you. There are varieties of ways in which that grace is served or ministered to somebody else. And then there are varieties of impact, kingdom impact, depending on how that gift is received. Does this make sense? Okay, so Paul, for me, when I look at this and when I kind of unpack it, I'm trying to make it real practical, begins to help me understand, okay, this is the Holy Spirit. So he keeps emphasizing that. This is the Holy Spirit at every stage. It's the same Spirit. It's the same Lord. This is not about you or I. But the Holy Spirit's doing something here. He's moving to you. He's giving to you. Then he's inviting you to give it away and to look for impact. And depending on the context, depending on the need, depending on where you are, it's going to determine how you administer that gift and how the impact and to what the impact's going to be. Does that make sense? And the best way I can describe it is, um, is through rugby. Is that a bad analogy to use? I know some of you like rugby, so I'm going to use that. I don't know if I have a picture. Oh, yeah, there we go. Good man himself, Rory Best. Um, my little boy's playing rugby, and they're teaching them how to pass a ball. And uh, the way they teach them, if you've ever played, is like always have your hands out. You ever played rugby? You learned this? Always have your hands out ready to receive the ball, right? And so it's a little bit like that when we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We, as God's people, are always hands out ready to receive the gifts, the grace that the Holy Spirit wants to give us. Whether we're in our office, whether we're in a, a gathered setting like this, whether we're in our family, whether we're on the street. I'm always available looking for what God wants to do in that moment. And the ball is the Holy Spirit. I know it's a terrible analogy, but just go with it for a moment. 
depending on what God wants to do in any given moment and what the need is, it's going to depend on the type of pass that I might receive. You know, I might need a long pass. It might be a short ball. It might be a fast one. It might be a slow one. Obviously, that's rugby. But in terms of the Holy Spirit, depending on what's needed, he's going to dispense the right grace within a community in order to have the greatest effect. What I do with that then is dependent on the context that I'm in. If I'm in the office, someone's sick, I can make a fairly good sense that God wants to release healing in that moment. But I'm going to have to consider how am I going to serve that to that person? How I might pray for someone in a Sunday morning is going to be a little bit different to how I might pray for someone in my workplace, right? If I'm on the street, it's a little bit different again because how I pray for someone on the street is maybe a little bit different than my pray on a Sunday morning. So, like, if you've ever done healing on the streets training, you'll know that they'll say, like, don't use tongues. I might use tongues on a Sunday morning to pray for someone, especially if it's to do with freedom, because that's effective. But I know that in the context of my workplace, if I start praying in tongues, like, that's it, over. Like, they're just going to be like, who's this weirdo? They're not going to let me pray for them again. Like, that is not the right approach to have the, the greatest impact. Does that make sense? So I'm asking the Holy Spirit, okay, what do you want to do here? How am I going to respond? What do you want to say? And I'm going to give some examples of how that looks. Is this making any sense, the way God does stuff? Yeah, okay. Um, let me just kind of make this legal and kind of unpack this in terms of the Scripture very quickly. How are we doing for time? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Uh, when I look back at the Gospels, I see this in operation. I know, I know that... How God works and brings about his kingdom uniquely through the body of Christ is different than how um, uniquely Jesus did that. So I understand that the gifts of the Holy Spirit is slightly different in the context. But even just um, in terms of approach, read the Gospels again and every interaction that Jesus has and watch this, right? So let me give you some examples. Um, he goes uh, and encounters this Syrophoenician woman. And it's a moment where she's a Gentile believer and um, he, he's kind of rude to her. And you're like, what are you doing, Jesus? Why are you being rude to her? And, 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 and then she comes back with this incredible response of faith. And then Jesus says, well done. Like, that was a good answer. Your faith has healed your daughter. Go in peace. What are you doing there, Jesus? What was that about? Like, why did you, sh you know, what's going on there? Is there any interest in that? And uh, Jairus' daughter, you know, um, he's on the road and gets interrupted by the woman uh, who's bleeding. And then Jairus' daughter dies, and people come to him and say, don't bother Jesus anymore. And Jesus just looks at him, and he says, don't be afraid. Like, what's Jesus doing there? He's doing something in terms of response. He's trying to invite faith. He's actually asking what's going on. And then he goes to Jairus' uh, daughter, and he moves everybody out of the room. All the mourners and all those people that are, like, stoking up the pain. <laughs> like, he says, all right, out of the way. Brings his disciples in. What are you doing in that moment? Why did you do that, Jesus? Is there any significance? I don't know. But it, it, it makes me ask certain questions about why did you spit on the ground? What was that about? Why did you send the person over to the pool to get healed? Like, why did you sometimes lay your hands on? Why did you sometimes speak a word? What was that about? It's not a model because it doesn't happen the same every time. But Jesus is responding to what? The situation that he's in and to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. At least that's how we understand it. Right? He knows when to invite faith. There's a, a situation where he goes to the pool of Bethsaida, and there's a man there, and he goes and he approaches him, and he asks him this question, do you want to be well? Why did he ask him that question? 
And this, the guy gives an excuse. He starts complaining. And he says, look, I want to heal you. And then he comes and finds the guy afterwards. And he says, you know, stop doing what you're doing. Otherwise, something worse might happen to you. What are you doing there, Jesus? How are you interacting with people? These, this is how I now read the Gospels. I think it's fascinating. And I, I know we don't know. Truthfully, we don't really know. But it just it makes us look at that a little bit different. And so when you're praying for people, when you're ministering to them, particularly in healing, ask those questions. Where are we? Okay, we're in the street. God, what do you want to do in this moment? That's why we ask people, you know, what's wrong? Where does it hurt? What's happening? What's going on here? How do you want to minister your gift of healing here, Lord? What does that look like? The Spirit gives creatively as he wills. We receive, like a rugby ball, the promptings or the manifestations of the Spirit, which are graces by faith in order to have a kingdom impact. And then as we step out and use the gift that the Holy Spirit has given us by faith, we see a kingdom impact. The Holy Spirit is the one at work all the way through the process. This is making sense. Hopefully it's making a little bit of sense. Paul goes on and, and he begins to illustrate what this looks like in the context of a gathered setting. So he, he, he writes this. Let me read it to you and then I'll try and give you some real life examples. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Okay, so he's saying, look, when you meet together, this is what happens, you know. The Holy Spirit is at work. He's giving a manifestation to you for the purpose of the common good. And then he describes it, he illustrates it, he gives some examples. He says, for, for the one is given uh, through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each person individually as he wills. This brings me on to the, the final principle. This is a partnership with God in which the Holy Spirit is in charge. This is a partnership with God in which the Holy Spirit is in charge. For some reason, God loves to use us. We know that, right? We cannot heal someone without the power of the Holy Spirit. Just can't. But God, for some reason, very rarely have I heard it, chooses to heal someone without using somebody else. It's just the way he loves to do it. So that's how the Holy Spirit operates. And in a gathered setting, he dispenses his graces as he sees fit in any given moment to bring about the greatest impact and for the purpose of the common good. And we're not going to go into this today. And But the second side of that, if you continue reading in the scripture, is to, in order to bring unity to the body in the gathered setting. That's another uh, thing for another day. I used to read this passage and, and it was like, which gift do you get, right? Did I get the gift of wisdom or the gift of, do you ever read it this way? Gift of prophecy, have I got the gift of healing? Who's got the gift of miracles? I'm not saying you can't read it that way, but the more and more I go back to this, it doesn't strike me that, that that's what Paul's getting at. If I'm in my office and I'm not the one with the gift of healing, but there's someone there that's sick, what am I going to do? I need the Holy Spirit in that moment to use me, to give me the gift of healing in order for me to release the gift of healing to that person. Now, if I'm in a gathered setting and I know someone's got a good track record of healing and we're trying to heal someone in our community, then I'm going to grab them in order to bring them over to help me because I know they've, they've just 
I don't know, they just seem to get this thing a little bit quicker than I do. So, of course, I'm going to recognize when there's a giftedness. Some people just seem to prophecy just flows out of them. Like, they're really accurate. And it's just a gifting. And they've grown in it and they've developed it. And, and so there is giftings that we get. But what I'm trying to say is it's the Holy Spirit that has the gifts, not us. And so it's the Holy Spirit that's dispensing what he wants to in any given moment depending on what's needed. So if you're up at the front and there's something needed and there's no one else about then you need to ask the Holy Spirit for you to get it, for you to give it away. Does that make sense? This isn't like, I'm not giving you a fait accompli, this is the way it happens. I'm just trying to whet your appetite that this is possible, that these restrictions that we've placed on this is not actually biblical, perhaps. All right. I've thrown a lot of information at you. Let me just give you a quote, and then I want to share stories for the last couple of minutes, and then... Uh, gave you a little bit of an approach. Are you doing okay? This is a lot of information, but yet you seem, you seem okay, so we'll, we'll keep, keep going. Uh, Gary Best says this about partnership with the Holy Spirit. The first thing we must understand about spiritual gifts or the graces of the Spirit is that they are realized within a partnership with God. It's neither 99% God and 1% of a partially con- conscious us that's how I used to understand it. I just hold my hand out and all God is going to do it. Nothing to do with me. Nor is it a 99% our effort and 1% of God helping us. You know, like, I'm going to heal you, God. You just help me out here. He says this. It's a partnership in which we never know the exact combination of God's grace and our faith, which I like because that's my experience. You know, I've stuck my hand out to heal a back and suddenly it's been healed. And I'm like, well, why was that so easy? And then I've prayed and I've prayed. I've prayed for stuff and nothing's happened. And I'm like, what's going on? And so it's always a partnership. And sometimes it's a bit of a mystery what's going on, but we can grow in it. And so I just find that quote really helpful. All right, would you like some stories just to kind of try and describe this? And then I'll I'll, kind of finish with how do we actually go about starting to step into this stuff? Maybe this is repeat for you, but if not, if it is, that's good. Uh, We were out in the street one night in Belfast, this was a while ago, and uh, I had a sense from the Holy Spirit as we were worshiping, we would worship before we went out, um, I had an image just in my mind's eye of a group of young people, gothic kind of emo type, if that's a word without being offensive, um, to a group of young people, and that we were supposed to pray for them. So that was the sense I had. That, that's, you could call that if you want to use Paul's language, a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or a word of instruction. Or It's a grace of the Holy Spirit to one of us because God wants to do something, right? Okay, so that's great. We go away. And obviously, I feel like God's prompted me, but I'm going to have to do something with that. So I've received the ball, but like, what's our next move, okay? And so we go up to a group. I tell my friend, Alan, who's associate pastor at Belfast and is quite courageous in these things. And I said, look, I feel like we're supposed to pray for some young people. I have this sense. I think it's the Holy Spirit. And he says, okay, great, go for it. So we had a group of young people of the Spirit of Belfast. I tried to go up to them, totally bottled it and ran off. So we left it. And about 10 minutes later, I was like, right, I couldn't shake this sense that we need to do something. So we went up to City Hall, and there was a group of young people uh, similar to what we've we'd, uh, imagined. And I felt very strongly I just need to do this. And so in my mind, I, I, I felt the Lord just very subtly in my mind say, uh, go and ask anyone if they want a spiritual reading. Okay, maybe that's offensive hear me out before, we, before you throw me out of the hall, okay? Um, that's not a technique I've used again. Uh, we'd just been at a psychic fair praying for people, and so 
I felt the Lord just say, look, this is what I want to do tonight. And so I went over, threw my hands up, no idea why, and just said, uh, does any of you want a spiritual reading? About 30 young people there. And then complete silence. So I've done something with the grace that the Holy Spirit has uh, prompted me with. Eventually, this little girl comes forward and says, yeah, I do. And uh, so immediately, I have a, a word come into my mind that says, hope, you need to say that she's a carrier of hope. And so I said, you're a carrier of hope. And then I, as I started to share that, more information just came flowing out of my mouth. So, and you have someone in your life that you're contending for that's really hopeless, but you're contending for hope. She starts to well up and starts to cry. God starts to meet her, and we start talking about Jesus as the hope of the world. He wants to give you hope. It's an incredible moment. Okay, God's at work. He's beginning to have an impact. What's going on? And somebody else comes up and says, do me, do me, do me. And I'm like, okay. So they come up, and then I, I, I say, okay, God, and I have absolutely nothing. And I'm looking like an idiot, thinking I don't know what to say. And then my friend Alan jumps in, and just he has something for her. Begins to prophesy to her. Again, this girl wells up, begins to cry. God, and it opens this time of like 45 minutes of just ministering to these young people. And it's like one of the most profound nights of my life. That was the Holy Spirit prompting us doing something with it, feeling miserably at times, but having a go, and recognizing that he has a particular approach that he wants to take that's going to have the greatest impact. If I'd gone up to them and said, guys, you want to hear about Jesus and can we pray for the sick? They might have said no and nothing would have happened. God had an approach, a, a ministering, a service that he wanted to do in that given moment in order to bring about the effect that he wanted to have. Does that make sense? And we had a, a girl that we were praying for that come to church and uh, she had arthritis in her hands and um, me and another guy were praying for her, or a girl praying for her, and um, we were praying for ages, and nothing was happening with the hands, and I was like, we were asking, is there any change, and she's like, no, and so we just, uh, just asked, can we ask the Holy Spirit, can we wait for a moment and ask him what, he, what he's doing, so we just gave a little bit of time, and I asked the Holy Spirit, and immediately one of us had a, a word about her family, a situation in her family, and um, I just said, look, is this going on in your family? And she said, yes, this has been quite a painful situation. And so we said, can we pray into that? So we began to pray for that, and God began to minister to some of the pain. And then we started to pray for the hands again and started to see significant change. And she left with like 70% of her hands, like 70% improvement. And then she sent me an email later in the week to say they've continued to improve. Like, I've prayed for a few people with arthritis. I've never used that technique again. It's not like a model but it's the approach that the Holy Spirit needed to take in that given moment. Does that make sense? And so this is a relationship that we develop. He dispenses the grace that he needs in any given moment in order to bring about the desired effect. Sometimes it's a prophetic word. Sometimes it's an issue of sin. Sometimes it's a, um, sometimes it's a command. Sometimes we need to minister forgiveness. Sometimes we need to minister emotional healing before it releases physical healing. This is not like... This is not a model, but it is an invitation. Jesus did this as well. You know, like the, the person was lowered through the roof and by his friends. And the first thing he says to him is, your sins are forgiven. I was like, why did you say that, Jesus? And then he heals him afterwards. It's like, what are you doing that for? And it's not a model. He doesn't do that all the time. But in that occasion, it was important, right? Sometimes he rebukes the spirit in order to heal someone. Other times he doesn't. What's going on there? These are kind of things that fascinate me and interest me. One other story, and then I'll, I'll kind of give you the next steps, and we'll open it up to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. 
and we were praying for a guy, or sorry, we were praying for a girl who had um, sliced her foot open uh, on a bottle. I can't remember how, and she'd just been for surgery. She was on crutches um, in a lot of pain, and she agreed to let us pray for her. And, and I'd done the thing of, like, chasing after and asking, do we pray for her? But I didn't have a ton of faith to see it uh, healed, but we decided we'd pray anywhere. And then I had this guy with me called Tom who was full of faith. I mean, like, he was going for this if it, his life depended on it. He says, we're going to see this healed. I was like, oh, okay, right, we'll go with that. And he just, he just started praying with faith. And, like, I was, I was kind of, like, catching up with him. And we saw this girl's foot completely well. She walked away without the crutches. And then I heard a text from someone uh, who, who was in her class at university that she had come in with her files and was surprised she didn't need her crutches. Uh, everything seemed to be better. So a week later, it was still okay. It wasn't just a psychological thing in the moment that she walked away with. Um, but I didn't have the gift of faith in that moment to see the healing. But God ministered through this other guy that was with me who had a gift of faith to see this thing healed. Does that make sense? And so oftentimes when you're praying for one another, you know, maybe someone will get a word and it'll uh, be a word of insight. Some of you will have faith and you'll be able to bring something to that. That's how God uses us in the body. That's what it's about. When, when Paul's talking about, you know, one of you is given an, an utterance of wisdom, another an utterance of prophecy. Some of you have given a, a gift of discernment in that moment. Some of you have a, a gift of healing to administer. And um, we've been in environments where uh, you maybe had this happen where someone has had an unusual pain that they wouldn't normally have, if you come across this, where God, I, I don't know if this is in the Bible, so again, I, this isn't a complete list, but it's just one of those creative things the Holy Spirit seems to do sometimes. Um, and there's a guy in our church who would have, ha- have this happen often. So you get what they call sympathy pain. So the Holy Spirit is prompting that he wants to heal someone in the room. And rather than giving him a word of knowledge, it's like he gives him it physically. So he's got physical pain that's not usually there. And it, it's related to someone that's in the room that want, that's wanted to be healed. And so sharing that suddenly opens up faith for that person to be healed. So that's just, what's, that, what's going on there? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just know the Holy Spirit is creatively distributing the grace that he wants to in that moment. And for some reason, that's just one way he does it. It's not a model. I haven't had it happen to me. But it is what he wants to do. All right, I am running into final time. So shall we do some of this? What do you reckon? Yeah? Okay. Why don't you stand with me? I hope you feel a fanning in the flame. Like this is, this is the bit that stirs me about the kingdom of Jesus. Like this is what makes it an adventure. That life is possible beyond yourself. Like that this stuff where you're just like, wow, you do that stuff, God? And I can be a part of it? Suddenly it opens up this whole world of life in the kingdom that's not some boring religion. It's actually incredibly life-giving. It's incredibly risky. We often look like fools. But it is inspiring, it is full, and I discover a Jesus that I definitely want to follow. And so I want to pray for you guys, and then we're going to invite some of you up to receive um, prayer for certain things. In every moment, I live with the expectation that God wants to move and that he is looking to use me. I mean that for you too. Come to every moment with an expectation that God wants to move and that you're not great, but you are loved, and he wants to use you. And so I come to this moment with that expectation. We have this phrase, the Lord is always looking for an opportunity to pour out his mercy. It's based on Psalm 145.
He's always looking, for, like today, in this moment, he's looking for an opportunity to pour out his grace to you. You have needs, many of you. Things that you're carrying that is debilitating your ability to live life in the kingdom. And the Holy Spirit is here, and he wants to minister healing, freedom to you in order that you might find life. In order that you might know what it is to find freedom.